0: Welcome to worship at Milwaukee Mennonite Church we are few this week but we are mighty and we will be mightier if we're sitting all together so if you're beyond the second row maybe think about moving up a little bit yeah I promise I showered it's fine as we begin our time of worship Hear this call. We gather to worship the one who has been revealed to us. We put our faith, hope, and trust in the God who raised Christ from the dead and gave him glory. We worship as those who have been born anew, as those who demonstrate obedience and love. We worship because our eyes have been opened and we have seen the Lord.
1: Alright, let's turn to page 368, Spirit of Life, uh, and we'll sing it through twice.
0: AS WE READY ourselves TO HEAR GOD'S WORD, LET US PRAY THIS PRAYER OF CONFESSION FOUND ON THE BACK OF YOUR BULLETINS. INCARNATE GOD, WE YEARN TO WALK IN YOUR WAY, BUT OFTEN CHOOSE OUR OWN PATH OF TURMOIL AND PAIN. SAVE US, LORD, FROM THE PRIDE AND FOOLISHNESS OF CHOOSING OUR OWN COURSE that we may humbly and confidently follow your lead through Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: All right, uh, now let's turn to page 426, Mothering God, You Gave Me Birth.
0: Having confessed our clayness, hear now these words of assurance. Throughout the tumult of life, God holds you close in love. Rejoice, because God's wisdom is your guide, God's compassion is your strength, and God's love is your redemption. Now we move into a time of passing the peace whether that be with a peace sign, a wave, a handshake, a hug, whatever you're comfortable with. Greet each other in the love of God. And peace also to all of you joining us on Zoom.
2: A lot of us have already started the school year. Whether you have or not, whether you brought a backpack or a work bag today to the church or not, we want to recognize you and this new school year, because this is an important time for all sorts of learning and growing in ways that we can see immediately and in ways that will take much, much more time to grow and bloom into the fruits of knowledge and understanding. As my Rachel has said on this Sunday for many years now and to our sons as at this time of year, You go to school to practice being brave and kind, because really that's what God wants of us, right? To be brave and kind. Jesus showed us to look for people who need us to be brave and kind. And being brave and kind is not always easy. Sometimes we'll do a great job, sometimes we'll mess up, and God loves us through all of that. And this church family loves you through all of that. So, today we have these laminated reminders from Rachel Stolpe to help remember to be brave and kind, to draw the circle wider, and a passage to help you remember not to worry. So, you can take this and put it in your backpack or your work bag to help you remind you that God loves you and this church loves you and that we're all working together to be brave and kind. So I'd like to invite uh, all students of any age, teachers, and school administrators to come forward for a time of blessing. And you can take one of these as a reminder. You can take one of those too. There are multiple things there. Sorry. You can choose your color, too. (laughs) Let's pray together. Dear God, bless these students. Let them know your love every day. Let them feel it all around them and help remind them to be brave and to be kind. Help them ask for help when they need it and share help with others too. Bless these teachers and administrators. Let them know your love every day. Let them feel it all around them and help remind them to be brave and to be kind. They too need reminders that it's okay to ask for help and to share help with others. And bless all of us who care about students and those who teach and care for them. Help us think of ways that we can be supportive and encouraging during the stress, stresses of the school year. Help us be a church community who is brave in doing difficult things and kind in our care for ourselves and others. We thank you that your love is as endless as the ocean and that each of one of us matters so very much to you. We are grateful. Amen.
0: You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God.
2: Thank you, Lauren. And I feel compelled to say thank you to everyone who's had uh, a part in, in creating this space for us today. This has been very meaningful and such a gift to me already. Believing in God brings us peace. That's the focus for this Sunday. Believing in God brings us peace. That's a big topic. I believe in God. Do I feel at peace? I won't list the many things in this world that might preoccupy your mind and keep you from peace. You don't need me to add to your own personal inner litany of troubles, I'm sure, but I'll just say since we just named it that the beginning of the school year itself is a time of transition and can cause change in routine and a host of feelings and new challenges. Believing in God brings us peace. How do we wrap our brains around that? How do I say anything worth thinking about and not get lost in the maze of ideas and questions. Well, we can start with the scripture we just heard. That must that must embody this piece, right? Yeah, that scripture was quite long, wasn't it? And during Lauren's excellent reading, did you catch the most overly referenced scripture in our society? I thought about walking up front here behind Lauren at different points in today's service with a big John 3.16 sign, but then decide that might be a bit triggering for anybody who came from an evangelical background who had experienced this passage weaponized. So maybe let's just get this elephant in the room out of the way, shall we? This verse is about God's extravagant love and grace, and yet Many have twisted this passage into being some sort of litmus test for Christ. Are you saved or not? As someone who didn't get his religion minor back in college because he didn't want to take Greek, I learned while preparing for today that the Greek word for world that John uses here and several other places in his gospel, cosmos, names an entity that is hostile to God. So we could actually translate this famous text as, for God so loved the God-hating world that God gave their only son. And to continue a bit later, God did not send the son into the world to condemn even this world that despises God, but instead so that the world that rejects God might be saved through him. It's Christ's message to uh, to us to love your enemies on steroids, right? Right? It's that sentiment, but on God-level forgiving and loving. And Christ shows us this God-level loving again and again in John's Gospel. Whether it's a Samaritan woman whose story follows today's, or a paralyzed man, or a visually impaired person, or a friend that's been dead for four days, or a friend who will deny his relationship, or today's kind of weird interaction with Nicodemus the Pharisee, Christ shows us this God-level love. John presents us with a Christ that shows this godly love in all the many interactions and moments along the way that make up a life and a death. It's a blueprint to be emulated, or at least looked to, to find comfort in, to be challenged by. See, I just wanted to point out what John 3.16 didn't mean and what it actually meant, and I already kind of went down a rabbit hole. Believing in God brings peace. How? Well, let's look a little more fully at today's passage from John. Nicodemus is a religious leader who comes to Christ at night in the absence of light. He's not opposed to Jesus. He's also not for him. John does this weird thing where he starts with this conversation between Christ and Nicodemus, but then quickly moves to a monologue that makes you wonder if it really was said in that conversation or whether John is just morphing thoughts together. In any way, we only get a snippet of dialogue between the two, but based on what we can glean from this text and the rest of the gospel, here's my take on how that interaction might have gone. Hey there! (laughs) It was right nice of you to meet me like this. It's such a late hour. I appreciate you. Well, that was quite a stunt you pulled in the temple, what, with driving out the money changers and all? You know, a lot of people, powerful people, might see that as an attempt to claim some sort of sovereignty, taking over the temple. But I guess you were just there to kick butt and take names, huh? I know you did some mighty fine preaching there. Look, Rabbi, we we know that you are a teacher. (laughs) And your message, well, it clearly comes from God. There's nobody that could be doing the kind of acts and wonders we witnessed unless God was with you. You you can't see the kingdom of God without being born from above. (laughs) How can anyone be born after growing old? (laughs) Bless your heart. Uh, Can anyone enter their mama's womb a second time and be born? (laughs) So you you got to be born of water and spirit. How how can these things be? Yeah, my teacher Israel. Well, I mean I'm here, ain't I? It's a little harsh to say I don't receive your testimony when I'm here. Oh. You're going to throw belief at me? Wow. Bold. Wait a minute. What does Moses and a snake on a rod have to do? Oh. So you're saying that you... you, Huh. Uh-huh. Huh. Huh. That's some powerful language you got there, teacher. Well, uh, hmm. Well, let me let you go. Thanks for meeting with me. Best be on my way. I hear you're headed out to the countryside next. Taking your message to the people, huh? Well, we'll miss you and your excitement and activity you brought here to the city. (laughs) You take there now, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'll think on what you said. A lot to unpack there. Yeah, I'm sure our paths will cross again. All right, well, don't go taking any wooden shekels now. We'll see you. Okay, so maybe Nicodemus wasn't quite such a good old boy, but just go with the overall tone. We'll see Nicodemus a couple more times in John's Gospel at the different points in his faith journey. The next time will be when Nicodemus defends Jesus to his fellow Pharisees and chief priests in the temple. And then finally, at Christ's burial, he will bring 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes to help Joseph of Arimathea, wrap Christ's body. Nicodemus goes from someone on the fence, who comes visiting Christ in the night, in the absence of much light, to a follower who would be seen in public in the bright light of day, helping to extravagantly bury Christ. This transformation didn't happen overnight. Like most belief, it gestated over time. Just like Jesus said, no one can perceive the kingdom of God without being born from above. Born again has become this switch-like coded language. It's been used to sell a one-and-done, set-it-and-forget-it faith. But this isn't just about you and one-time salvation. That version omits the significance, the meaning of the passage right there in front of us. If we listen to Christ and think about what this imagery actually entails, we get a very different picture, don't we? Being a parent and being married to a physician who delivers babies, I can tell you that the birth process requires so much more than just a mom popping out a new life. It requires care and time. It requires a community. And without a doubt, to be born requires something that very few of us, I'd venture to say maybe none of us, want. Complete and utter dependence. To be born means to rely on others to help you learn and grow, to help you keep safe as you begin to understand and make sense of the world around you. If we are to perceive the kingdom of God all around us right now, then we can only do so with the help of the community that helps care for us. We can only do so with naming and knowing that God is with us, and loves us. If we are going to feel Christ's peace, we must accept our fragility and our dependence on God, and we must acknowledge our need for accountability, love, and grace to and for our fellow beloved children of God. And speaking of dependence on God, you might recall that Jesus mentions Moses lifting up a serpent in the wilderness. That's referring to a story from Numbers in which the Israelites are in the wilderness and because they were impatient and spoke against God, there were poisonous snakes that if they bit you would kill you. So God took Moses, told Moses to make a snake and put it on a pole. So whenever someone was bitten by the snake, they simply had to look at the bronze snake on the pole and they would survive. We will survive if we take a good, hard look at what would kill us. And Christ is suggesting to Nicodemus and to us that we need to look to him, the Son of Man. To look to God, to the Christ, means to name the light and the absence of light. Life and death, salvation and condemnation remember that God sent Christ to save the world, not to condemn it. Looking toward the light can be hard for us humans that are used to living in partial partial obscured light. Do we truly want to be exposed by the light of the world, to have all our hypocrisies and justifications splayed out, revealed, to see what parts of ourselves and our choices would kill us? Condemnation is not God's judgment, but the judgment we humans bring on ourselves. In what ways do we have the arrogance to think that we can find salvation in our own way, in our own terms? Salvation through work, salvation through giving, salvation through revenge, through numbness, through the state, through exercise through entertainment, through food, through routine, through change. What salvation is there without God, without the light of the world, without the support of others, God's heart and hands in our world? And what does salvation look like? A lot more of you and a lot of great theologians could answer that question better than I. But I would venture to say that salvation looks as unique and different as every single one of us. And yet, we want to put very clear parameters around what that looks like for ourselves and others. (laughs) Typical humans. Believing in God brings peace. I believe that, and I am not at peace. This summer, I had a very unique experience. Sorry. My son, John, was in a production of Hamlet. I have incorporated Hamlet into messages before. If you're thinking, okay, Peter, we don't need you to randomly add Hamlet to whatever this message is, then tough. Because despite being written by some old white dude well over 400 years ago, this character grapples with the questions that today's passage gets at in such profound, thoughtful ways. Some of you attended John's production, and a couple of you pointed out that you didn't quite realize the themes of life and death that are at the heart of this story. There's beautiful existential questions going on, but also very real, relatable pain and a soul struggling to see light and not be overcome by its absence. So, set aside your understandable eye roll and how this piece has become as unhinged from its true meaning as, in many ways, John 3.16 has. And just listen to these words. To be, or not to be. That is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing, end them. To die, to sleep no more, and by a sleep to say that we end the heartache and thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. "'Tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die, to sleep. To sleep, perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time, the oppressor's wrong, the proud man's contumely, the pangs of despised love, the law's delay, the insolence of office, and the spurns the patient merit of the unworthy takes, when he himself might his quietus make with a bare bodkin? Who would fartles bear to grunt, and sweat under a weary life, but that the dread of something after death, the unknown country from whose born no traveler returns, puzzles the will, and rather makes us bear those ills we have than fly to others we know not of. Hamlet is questioning his own existence. In the shadows and partial light of his life, and with the intolerable grief of having lost his father, Hamlet speaks to the beauty and heartache of being human. And in the end, he is overwhelmed by the lack of light in our world by trying to reach for peace in his own way. And as we know, that way always leads to tragedy and death. I have returned to Hamlet and the many thoughtful, powerful words within this story so many times. They are words that were written over 400 years ago by a father who had just lost his only son, Hamlet. And so it was very special to see my son getting to know and experience this text in such a powerful, profound way. And it was on an evening this summer during production that I learned of the death of someone in my home community. During the late 80s and early 90s, Mark was an important presence for me in my church family. He showed that it was okay for a man to talk about and to express his feelings. He was so kind, so generous. Despite coming from a much more conservative background, he oozed grace, love, and generosity. And I knew he struggled with depression. And one day this summer, Mark succumbed to that disease of depression and took his life. There are so many ways that we each experience the absence of light. But we have to be willing to confront our dislike or even our inability to name or talk about tough subjects like this. We have to look at the snake. Whether it's depression, or anxiety, or addiction, or broken relationships, or reliving trauma, or stress, Whatever afflicts you, because we know that that will be as varied and unique as each of us. However you are afflicted, however you grieve, however your beautiful humanity means that you suffer. Know that you are loved. Know that you are gathered up in the arms of God. Know that you are not alone. Know that for however frustratingly imperfect we as a community might be, we are here for you. Believing in God brings peace. For some of us, it can be a challenge every day just to believe in such a God, let alone finding Christ's peace. But we know, we know that belief will bring us peace. Both Nicodemus' story in John and Shakespeare's story in Hamlet begin at night, in the absence of light. Both are tales of confusion, of a Christ who would speak in riddles and a ghost who would uh, sow the seeds of destruction. And those two moments will change the trajectory of their respective characters. These two stories arc in opposite directions. Hamlet will descend into madness and murder. Nicodemus will stand up for Christ and then grieve his death and then deal with and care for Christ's body. There will be no peace for Hamlet. The rest is silence. does Nicodemus find God's peace? He's come to love and follow this rabble-rouser, this enemy of the state, many of his peers. All the signs are there, but does Nicodemus find God's peace? Throughout John, there is the beautiful imagery of light and the absence of light. And it is so easy for us to make that into a dichotomy. Light or no light? White hats, black hats. Good, evil. Spirit, world. Those who believe those that do not. But that's not our world. I don't think that's what John's saying. Like Shakespeare, he's too poetic to be so easily defined. As Sarah shared with us a couple weeks ago, light creates gradations and variations depending on how it is refracted or obscured. Anything reflected in the light will simply be seen better the closer it is to the source. But we also know as humans it can be very difficult for us to be honest with ourselves enough to get closer to that source. And yet, that is what we're trying to do collectively, each in our own way. How do we encourage each other in this endeavor? How do we make grace for ourselves and for others when we have a momentary failure to move forward toward the light. How do we show, reflect, God's love to ourselves and to others? It's a challenge. Every day. Believing in God brings peace. Where have you experienced this peace? What moments have been different because you let yourself reflect God's love and grace and felt that peace? When or how do you experience this peace liberally or extravagantly? I've experienced it singing with you all. I've experienced it during both of the births of my boys, I've experienced it looking at Lake Michigan and walking through the woods of western Pennsylvania. I've experienced it in story. I've experienced it in some very unexpected times and places when it felt very counter to the mood around me. Christ's peace is everywhere, all around us, just like the kingdom of God is everywhere, all around us. We just have to believe so easy right believing in God brings peace did it bring peace to Nicodemus I'm thankful that we don't know because I choose to believe it did
1: Thank you so much for that reflection. Uh, Let's turn to page 617 when peace like a river.
0: Let's pray together. Loving God, who sees all our darkness and returns only light, we give you thanks for Peter, for the message he shared today, for the vulnerability he blesses us with every time he does. All these things we can ask Through Jesus. Amen.
1: Um, Let's go ahead and turn to page eight forty three, May the Peace of Christ, and we'll sing it through twice.
0: Hear now these words of benediction as we go out to the fellowship hall to talk about CE. Glory be to God who makes all things new. Glory be to the Son who embodies that newness. And glory be to the Spirit who renews and restores. Go in peace.